got to also get away from this illusion that um, Wall Street is the great fix all that Mm -hmm. if you just let someone manage your money, you're going to be fine. Uh, Outsourcing your financial ability, your financial education is one of the quickest ways to lose money. Welcome to Big Business Mistakes, hosted by Brandon and Kaylin Poulin. Hear the most successful entrepreneurs tell jaw-dropping stories and lessons behind their biggest business mistakes so that you don't make them. Ditch the fake highlight reel and get the raw truths and golden lessons of what it actually takes to scale your business from those who have done it. This is Big Business Mistakes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Business Mistakes podcast. I'm here today with Justin Donald. I'm so excited to have you, Justin. He is the founder of The Lifestyle Investor, and he is the master of low-risk cash flow investing. One of the smartest dudes I've ever met. It's, It's hilarious. I love that I'm interviewing you today. Because like you and Brandon, like you guys get to talk and it sounds like you're on your own planet pretty much. But um, so I'm excited to, to talk to you and ask you questions that I have. But you've negotiated over 200 deals, like you own several uh, profitable real estate related businesses. You have one of the largest mobile home park por- portfolios in the US, which is crazy. Like when you think like investing in mobile home parks, like that's nuts. Like and you have a uh, number one seller best-selling book right wall street journal like number one wall street journal in usa usa today best-selling book called the lifestyle investor the 10 commandments of cash flow investing for passive income and financial freedom i love it you are like a wealth of knowledge i know in how many years have you been doing this justin well i've been investing for about 25 years but i've been probably deeply in alternative investments for about 15. yeah so i'm like there's like a wealth of mistakes that you've made that not only when it comes to business and entrepreneurship that you're going to share today but also like investing wise like mistakes that you've seen there so i'm really excited for this episode because i feel like your magic sauce is in the investing it's like there's so many mistakes business owners make like before we knew how to invest our money was just sitting in a bank account like withering away you know, so I'm excited for you to be able to share some of those those things as well. So how do you feel about like sharing some of your biggest mistakes today? Well, I'm excited to be on the show. And I'll tell you what, I've made so many mistakes and I'm very happy and comfortable sharing them because <laughs> I'd love for others to not make the same mistakes I've made. And uh, I, I feel like I could run a masterclass on here's all the things not to do. So instead of the trial and error that I did, where I was like, well, that didn't work. Let's try this. Oh, that didn't work either. Let's try this. Uh, I feel like I figured a lot of it out on the entrepreneurship side and on the investment side. So yeah, we, we can dive into all of that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm just like, man, I think one of my favorite things about doing this podcast and talking about all the mistakes, it's like, we all hear from entrepreneurs all the time. Oh, this is how I did it. And this is how I was so successful. And here's like the keys here. And I'm like, there's the gold is in the mistakes other people make. Cause now you get to collapse time, not having to make the same mistakes. Right. And I'm like, in all of your years of doing this, I learned so much just interviewing people on here and just thinking, wow, like you've been an entrepreneur for almost as long as I've been alive. Like how can Justin, you're going to collapse time for me today. Like me and Brandon, and you have like in our relationship since we met almost a year ago, like you've collapsed time for us of just like, if I can learn through what you know, then why do I have to go figure it out on my own? So I, I think, uh, you know, the, the gold is really found in the mistakes, not like 
here's why I'm so awesome. So I appreciate you being willing to share some of your mistakes today because a lot of us are, I mean, it's gonna be gold nugget after gold nugget. This is a podcast, this episode right here, you're gonna want your pen and paper for. <laughs> Sure. I love it. And by the way, Kaylin, it's really funny to me because uh, a lot of people just have this negative outlook on like failing or things not going right. But we don't learn as much as humans. We just don't learn as much yeah. when things go right. And it often will inflate the ego and even distort reality to a certain degree. Like, did you really get that right because you're that good or was timing right? Yeah. You know, the last 12 years has been really easy to make money. It's been, you know, and I shouldn't say that there are people are going to struggle with that at any time, any season. But um, a lot of people who aren't as sophisticated as, you know, the greats that are out there did very well the last 10 to 12 years. Same thing in entrepreneurship. Uh, there's just this buzz. We are in this economic boom. And so I think a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I'm a genius because I got this deal right or I, you know, I started this company. But timing has a lot to do with it. And trends like you may not know that there is this trend and you just, you know, stumbled upon it. So I like failures because it forces you to wake up and confront what mistakes you may have made and how to make sure you avoid them in the future. Yeah, I love it. So you're going to lay out all your mistakes for everybody else today so we don't have to hit the same pothole. So you just learn learn from Justin's mistakes. So diving right in, I love the expensive question. Like what's the most expensive mistake that you've made in all of your years? Like what's the one that like still to this day, you're like, uh, it still hurts a little bit. Well, I guess I, I kind of compartmentalize my life a little bit, like life as an entrepreneur versus life as an investor. There are some similarities. It's a huge gap in between the two. I think there are a lot of people that exit their companies and they're like, well, because I was successful as an entrepreneur, I'm going to be really successful as an investor. And they're going to have a rude awakening because that that is not the case. 99 out of 100 times. It is just two totally different skill sets. Um, so you know, I, I think early on, like on the entrepreneurship side, I had some pretty costly mistakes on like the partnership, uh, the the operating agreement and the organizational docs and and the things that kind of outline the deal. So some of those are a little bit more subjective. Like what did that cost? What was the dollar amount of loss? And, you know, we could extrapolate, you know, a few different scenarios for what that's like. But on a more tangible side of things, like on the investment side of things, uh, you know, my my largest loss as an investor was uh, around a million dollars. Ouch! And that's a tough one. That's a tough <laughs> pill to swallow. What happened? Well, I invested in a company that turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. Oh no! But this isn't your typical Ponzi scheme. This isn't like you know, the the Ponzi scheme that was always a fraud from day one, right? It, it wasn't like that. It, this wasn't, you know, a Lehman Brothers. Mm -hmm. This was a business that had been successful and profitable and uh, had been doing a great job for 28 years. Wow. So all my research into it, you know, had just kind of came back with uh, flying colors. And there were some red flags. My attorney flagged some things and I should have listened to him more. I mean, this is this is a great example of where ego can get in the way where it's like, well, hey, I think I know this better than my attorney. Even though my attorney's flagging things like, hey, this contract is not a very well-written contract, which gives me pause that they don't have a good 
legal team. Mm. And any big company should have a really big legal team. They shouldn't have margins like this. They shouldn't use this type of paper. They should, I mean, just little things like that. And I kind of laughed it off. Like, well, you don't know these guys like I know them. I mean, I've gotten together with them. I've met them. You know, I, I'm, I'm good with people. I can read the room. And man, he, there were a few things. So my attorney, I mean, it is so, th- this is how much I should have listened that my attorney even said, Hey, this to me smells like a fraud. Like that's what he said at the beginning. And I had to sell him on why it wasn't. And because of this conversation, this has changed my entire framework and I'll, I'll fill you in more on the specifics, but, um, this situation ended up being exactly what he said. I could have saved all kinds of pain uh, because he, on many occasions, like, I don't like it. I don't think you should do it. Even as I'm having him amend the documents and, and redline them, uh, he's like, I'm doing this because you're telling me to do it, but I don't want to do it. My Again, I got to let you know legally, my answer is you shouldn't even be doing this deal. And I did it anyway. Yeah, you kept and, stiff you know, arming him. <laughs> that's right. I totally did. And And what a great... Like it, it was painful in the moment. It's like a punch to the gut. Like, I mean, no matter where you are financially, that's a lot of money and that hurts. Um, and every investor is going to experience this. There, there's no investor out there that hasn't lost money. Every yeah. investor is going to lose money at some point. And, and I think it's good to just be awake to that. And especially in this new season that we're entering into, you're seeing a lot of companies fail. You're seeing a lot of investments fail. You're seeing a lot more Ponzi schemes than we've seen in the last decade. Uh, all coming into fruition. There's like been a bunch of things out, you know, in the news recently. But here's one of the big takeaways I had from that. I used to invest and say, okay, I like this deal. Let me see if I can prove it wrong. Let me see if I can poke holes in it to, you know, I guess, make me not want to invest in it. Mm -hmm. Versus today, I say, this deal is garbage. (laughs) Yes. Only unless I can prove that it's not, I will invest. Mm, So good. And that's been a good framework for me. And by the way, this is like all courtesy of the education of my attorney, who I should have listened to. And instead, I had to go through the pain of losing a lot of money to figure this one out. Oh, my gosh. I love it. So it's like when when your attorney tells you the margins are off on the paper, like you need to take all of that into account. (laughs) That's right. I mean, just little things like that, like. I would have never contemplated that before, but it's like, no, standard legal stock looks like this. And the, you know, th- th- this is what a, a formal letter should look like. Yeah. It's like when it comes to lawyers, brain always says like, listen to 80% of what they say or else you wouldn't have a business, you know? So put that in the 80% you listen to when they start telling you like, this seems off, this isn't right. Like definitely put that in the 80% you listen to because I mean, attorneys know attorneys, right? And there's, there's good ones and there's bad ones out there. And so man, just like what a small little thing that could have just like changed the game. Like he saw that as a little red flag and you're just like, it's just paper. Who cares? But in reality, he's like, eh, you know, this seems fishy to me. Like maybe listen to that next time, huh? That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, Brandon's very smart in the fact that if you listen to everything that attorney says, you often will never get a deal done. Yeah. And so part of me in the back of my mind is like, well, I know best. Like, you know, he's just, he, he's at this point potentially blocking this deal. Like I, at a certain point, you have to be able to make the decision yourself as a business owner, as an investor, yeah. but 
um, it's important to take that counsel into consideration. And very few people look at the details the way an attorney does. Mm -hmm. And so that needs to be factored in. And part of what I um, take a lot of pride in is the fact that I surround myself with really smart people. And um, I learned really quickly, I need to listen to those people. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, your peer group matters, your mentors matter, like having people around you that are best in class at the thing that they do that matters. Mm -hmm. It makes you smarter. It helps you make better decisions, long-term, short-term. It's just a winning recipe. Yeah. I always like to say it gives you better vision, you know, like say right now you have like 510 vision on your, on your business and each person that you bring in, like it gets you closer to 2020 where you can see it for what it really is. Cause a lot of times we get emotional, right? Emotional about our business. We get romantic about it. We're like, I know more and I understand and I get it and I know what to do. But sometimes like allowing other people in and talking to other people and having mentorship, it's like you get different eyes on your business and they start seeing a different way because they're not emotionally attached and they can just tell you honestly, like put people around you that'll be honest and give you a reality check of what you're really at and the decisions that you're making. And then just be like, okay, I need to add that to my perspective of how I look at things. So just like you went from, this is a great deal. I'm going to try to poke holes in it to see if it's not a good deal to changing like the, the perspective that you see it, which is, this is a garbage deal. <laughs> it's awful. Let me see if it, it backs out like, Oh, there's opportunity here. Right. So just little changes of perspective. Like that doesn't come unless you have people around you that are helping you see things differently. I love that. That's right. And, and even my mindset around attorneys has, has really shifted. <laughs> so, you know, like early on enemy number I one attorneys, <laughs> Yeah. Well, attorneys, like the, the price of admission is worth it. Like that's yeah. the big thing. I used to feel like, well, I don't need an attorney on this. I'm going to do this myself. Um, oh, I can use rocket lawyer or something. Like I used to really skimp mm -hmm. on legal bills. And then when I did finally say, okay, I should, I should hire, you know, attorneys, I need good stuff. I would find the cheapest attorney. And so I just, early on didn't get the importance. So now I pay top dollar because top dollar is going to provide me with, with you know, nine times out of 10, the greatest expertise out there. So I, I want, and by the way, it's not just about how much do they charge. I want whoever's best in class and whoever's best in class can command a higher price. So now I take great joy in paying these because I know in the long run, it saves me a lot of money. I get a huge return on that investment into brilliant counsel. And on top of it, um, it makes me smarter for the next deal because they're weighing in on all the details. So like I am learning, I'm, I am paying for an education. And this is the big thing that I always do is I always let people that, that, you know, work that I hire that work for me, that work with me, that, that partner with me know that my goal isn't to have you do the thing, do the task. My goal is to have you teach me why you're doing it that way. Mm -hmm. So this goes for attorneys, this goes for CPAs, this goes for anyone. Don't just do it. Do it, but teach me why you're doing it that way. Teach me why that way matters because I'm going to tuck that away for later and then I'm just building my, you know, educational foundation. I'm building my expertise and my knowledge so that I show up better prepared for the next deal. 
Yeah, so good. Well, I, I feel like a lot of people, like, especially, you know, when you're new in business or you're starting up or you're in the early years of business, I would say for us, probably like the first like three or four years, it's that way. It's like attorneys are enemy number one. I don't need attorney. Like we can look at it. We can read it. We know what it is. But there's so many mistakes that are made around that. It's like us at one point looked up and we're like, oh my gosh, like what's this TCPA thing that everyone's talking about and freaking out about? Like, what's this Rosca stuff? Like, and all this, and it's like all of a sudden your mind is open. We're like, oh my gosh, like we're not, we haven't protected the castle. Like we, we, we we're building this business, but we don't have it protected, right? Like we, we don't have legal counsel. So even when it comes to not only investing, but in the business in general, it's like, you have to make sure that you have a team of people that have your like your castle protected that you have built a moat around the business to where you're protected from you know disgruntled employees or Rosca or TCPA or quality assurance or you know the the what's the, what's the guy in the state that's always always coming after us the the general the attorney general right the AG like you got to make sure yeah. you're protected and there's a lot of the times we pretend if we hide under the covers like if we don't know about it, like we don't have to deal with it. And that's not true. It only takes one person to like literally take down your whole business. So what do you look for? Like mistakes around there? Cause I know you've dealt with a lot of attorneys. Like what are maybe some mistakes that like you chose the wrong one or there was like flags or it cost you something. And like, how do you choose the right one? What's the lesson that you can give to, to people now? Like thinking, okay, I want to protect my castle more. How to like, what have you learned in that process? Well, for me, it's really important that I have uh, an attorney that's available. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of my tests with them is, can I get your cell phone number? Is mm -hmm. Are you someone that I can contact whenever I have an issue? Because that isn't, that's hugely important to me. Yeah. Like I need to know that I'm going to get a response. And by the way, I'm also testing to see how they uh, respond back to me. How quickly do they respond back to me? How thorough do they respond back to me? Um, will they give references? What do the references say? How long have they been practicing? You know, are they best in class at the thing that they do? So for me, I've got kind of like my, my all utility attorney, but then I've got a real estate attorney and I've got a contract attorney and I've got, um, uh, I've got an estate planning attorney. And I've got, I mean, so like each little, uh, niche each little, um, so you got a different guy, area. you got a different person yeah. for like every job for every specific area, not like one that you pass everything through. It's like, you go find the best in class in each area. That's right. And, and now over time I have found the all utility player, like someone who really is brilliant at everything, but he also, what I respect about him is when he doesn't know, he'll say, actually, I need to bring someone in on this because I don't feel like uh, I am the utmost authority in this space. Mm. I love that. I want people to do that, you know, because I've been involved in um, just a number of business dealings and, and investments. I've, I've, you know, fortunately and unfortunately had a lot of encounters with attorneys and uh, just legal proceedings and all kinds of different things. And so, you know, when you get into some of the the bigger deals and you know there's certain things i'm not even allowed to specifically speak about but um there's something that i uh right now have a, a federal subpoena to attend to testify uh in court on a case that is just uh, a fascinating case i i'm trying to tread yeah, delicately yeah. but but this is one where like, you know, the federal government saying, hey, we need your testimony because you've got information that uh, we need that's going to be very relevant to us doing this case. And I'm a witness on the first day. 
Uh, and so what happens here is not only do you have to hire your own legal counsel to, because, you know, the federal government has their legal team and, um, but, but they don't represent you, right? So like you need to hire someone that does have your best interests in mind. And so it's a fascinating thing where, you know, there's no way that you're making money. You're going to lose money because it's going to pull you out of your job. And then on top of it, you have to pay for the legal that you're bringing to make sure that you are not uh, doing anything, uh, you know, out of line or saying things that you shouldn't be saying or uh, just showing up the right way. So it, it is a fascinating um, just world of legal and law and and courts and all that. Yeah. You shouldn't shy away from it. Like your lawyer should be like your go-tos. Like we have our lawyer on speed dial. Just run everything through them, pass it by. Like if it looks like it needs to be looked at, look at it. If it doesn't, whatever, you know, but uh, I think it's so good what you, what you said about like the, having the humble attorney that'll tell you when they don't know and be weary of the ones that are like, I know everything and just like give you answers all the time. Like, it's like, how do you know? Like, even for us in our own business, there's things that we don't know. And I'm not afraid to be like, I don't know. Let me get the answer for you and like figure that out and like see someone, find someone who's the expert in this and like give you their info and like connect you guys. Right. And so your attorneys, if they're always being like, oh, yeah, and this, but it seems like an off answer, like you have a wrong, like a gut feeling that like, mm, do they really know what they're talking about? Like, that's something to look, look into, like big time because you know there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of attorneys out there you got to find a find a good one i love the humble attorney idea so justin you you see a lot of businesses right like you have a group of lifestyle investors okay so when talking about the way that other people invest i know you're like the pro and the guru of this we kind of talked about your investment mistakes but what are the mistakes you see other people make when it comes to investing because i'm sure you've seen it all yeah, you know, I, I've definitely seen it all. Um, well, I shouldn't say I've seen it all. I'm sure there's tons of stuff I'm going to continue to see, but I've seen a lot. I've seen enough today to make me feel like I've got a good handle on things. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that the last 10 years, things have been so good. And really, it's been, you know, 11 or 12. Things have been so good. It's been hard to lose money. Mm -hmm. People with no investment sense are making money and no, I mean, it, it is crazy. Some of the deals that are just penciling and some of the, uh, exit valuations and just the nonsense that happened, especially even over these last few years. And by the way, congratulations to everyone that capitalized on it. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. I mean, um, one of the things I, I said, to you know, our lifestyle investor mastermind last year, I said, Hey, um, the economy is going to dry up. Like this is a great year. If you're ever going to sell, now is the time just sell because it's not going to be like this, you know, in 2023. And so we had over 20 people sell their business uh, in 2022, which wow. is really cool. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of them for some very significant numbers. Uh, so, you know, it, it's so I see a lot of things there. I see things uh, through my own business dealings. I see things through uh, what community members are bringing and, and sharing. But I think that one of the things that people don't do is enough due diligence. They, I don't even think most people know how to do due diligence. This is like if you're going to invest in a company, if you're going to start a company, if you're going to bring partners on, if you're going to bring uh, capital partners on, like to, to really do your homework on, on who it is. But um, the last 10 years, a lot of people have done well and they haven't faced a lot of adversity. Mm. So 
to invest in someone that has never gone through a recession is kind of scary to me. Mm-hmm. I want to see that someone has been, you know, in their business, in their industry for at least a recession. If they've been through it for two, I feel that much better. But, uh, you know, I really want someone that's navigated the 2008 crisis and know that they did well and or, you know, figured it out and and have since, you know, made some moves. So that that's one big area is like, I see people that are so um, there's, they're just maybe too tied to a pro forma or they're, they're, you know, great pro formas, uh, really can be captivating to people that don't know what they're looking at. And a pro forma doesn't mean anything. It's not real. What someone's putting on paper, we think it's going to do this. Everyone does it. You give these to the banks, the banks tear them apart. Like, it's it's not what's going to happen. I mean, you hope that it does, but it's not. And and you're supposed to do a stress tested variation of it, like a worst case scenario. And most people's worst case is not much of a worst case. Yeah, it's more like moderate or, case. Yeah. But if you want to know how good someone is, like I see people making investment decisions because they're like, oh, well, this fund or this syndicated deal is paying a much higher pref uh, or preferred return or this deal is you know, look at, look at the overall IRR. Yeah. That's a projected IRR. You know, what's in, more important than that. What was their last deal that they did that went full cycle and what was the pro forma on that deal? And then how did they do? How did it match up? Yeah. Like that to me is way more important, but most people don't get that information. Most people make a decision based on, you know, just like how sexy a good, uh, pro forma looks. Oh, I can have a 20, 5% IRR. Okay, great. I'm going to invest in this deal. That is, I saw a lot of that the last 10 years. Yeah. And it's it's funny way, you say that because this is what Brandon does. And he's like, hey, so yeah, send me the last, you know, couple people that went full cycle and like what their pro forma was, like what, what all the results were. And people will be like, well, we're not, we can't really share that with you. And Brandon's like red flag or like they do and it's awesome or it's not as awesome as they say it is. Right. And so a lot of them will even try to like get around, you know, sending you that information. Oh, we're, we're not supposed to share that blah, blah. I can't share that with you. And Brandon's like, well, you realize I'm not investing with you. If I don't have proof that investing my money creates return, like send me the last three you know, blah, blah, blah. And the contact info and like fully vets them, you know, like he's hiring someone for a job, like full background check on not only the business, but on the people that you're investing with. Cause it's so easy to be in all of these rooms as entrepreneurs and hear about like what people are doing and how great they make it sound and how great like this opportunity is. Right. But people don't spend enough time. Like they trust the person, but guess what? Like people that run Ponzi schemes are seem trustworthy too. Right. Justin, like, you know that well, like it seems like this is yeah. a great idea and I like the person and we connect and people are not shy about just handing money over to whatever it is of, a, of an idea that people like are making sound great, but that doesn't mean it is. So you have to be like take emotions out of it and track it like you would and, and fully do your research and dive in and say, you know, I love your quest. I love your thing. Like this is a garbage deal. Let me make it make, see if it makes sense. You know, I love that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's great to, really do your homework and be skeptical. Remember, go in the deal, like the deal's not going to work out Mm -hmm. and we've got to prove that it will. And, you know, I like that Brandon is thorough and I've seen his, uh, you know, due diligence process. He is a details guy, which is great. He's a numbers guy. And I think that's really important, but there's an element of, 
the people side and yeah, run everyone through a background check. I mean, anyone who has any role uh, that has any influence on the business, run that through a background check. Uh, And then the other thing is, as you are investing in companies, you know, so if we're we're talking about, you know, um, you know, investing in an operating company, I think it's also really good to recognize that most founders don't have the experience or, or expertise and likely never will to actually scale that company. Like it's someone else that's probably going to do it. Uh, So it's good to recognize that some people might be there for a season and who's, you know, how's the guard going to change? Like who are the people are going to step in and who's going to have control ultimately? Like it's so important to know who has control and to understand what the operating agreement says. Uh, I can't tell you how many people um, I know that make investments without even reading the company's operating agreement. And, and that to me is like a huge red flag. Like you, you need to know what is going on with that business and who has what, and uh, you know, all, all the details that are necessary and relevant are in that operating agreement. So good. I know it's easy to like glaze over the boring stuff, you know, just like, Oh, it looks good. Trust the guy, do it. So, and, and by the way, you don't even have to do it. Like for most people, they don't like doing it. So great. Just hire an attorney that, that, that is their skill set, and then outsource it to them. Like, I don't really do that much anymore. I might skim it, but I just send everything to my attorney today. But yeah, I mean, just someone needs to be reviewing it. Yeah. So, so that's great. Like mistakes you see other people make, like make sure that the deals that you're doing, like those companies or those people, like they're battle tested. Like I like the way that you worded that, you know, like they're battle tested, like they've been through stuff. They've come out on the other side, like, or do they just pop up shop six months ago? You know, especially in like the crypto space right now, or like, uh, um, all the, the money, the money for the government for businesses, right? The, the ERC stuff. It, it's like all of them are popping up all the time now. And you're like, well, like they literally just started this business three months ago and they're not going to be around in nine months. And your check ain't even get to you for a year. You know what I mean? And so like making sure you're actually like vetting the, the whole process. That's 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 great stuff right there. Um, I want to sh- I want to shift gears into your relationship. I know your wife. Uh, she is freaking amazing. One of the sweetest people I've ever met. And I think what's cool in your guys' relationship, you know, me and Brandon work in the business together. You guys don't. So you and Jennifer have two totally different roles in your household. And when I was reading your bio. A thing that stuck out to me was... Um, you continue to maintain a family-centric lifestyle. And I, as I read that, I was thinking like, man, for this to be such a focus, like even in your bio, like there had been some mistakes that you've made as people who don't work together, right? Uh, Jennifer's amazing. She runs the house, runs the kids, like, you know, your your daughter who's amazing all over the place and, and takes care of the home. And you're here as like the superhuman entrepreneur that have like eight, 8 million businesses and like all this stuff going on. So how, what were the mistakes made, you know, that, that you made that made family centric lifestyle, like that thing so important now that it's such a huge focus? Well, it's interesting. Uh, C.S. Lewis says that the homemaker is the most important career and all other careers were designed to support the homemaker. Oh, that's so and good. So, yeah. So like to not recognize that and to not understand that early on and maybe even to prioritize like how important my business is, you know, mm-hmm. relative to what some would say is like, well, that's not a formal job or that's not a real job, yeah. but it is. And it's the most important job. And I think when 
you can carry that with the weight and, and in the light that it deserves, I think you show up differently. I think you're more appreciative. And it's interesting because Jennifer did start out um, as a partner in one of our businesses in our real estate. Uh, she did all the books for that business. And, you know, quickly we found that we just would rather not work together. We worked fine together, but we found that like on date nights, we were talking about like, well, what's our, you know, uh, collections right now. And, you know, so it's like, wait a minute, we're supposed to be on date night. So, uh, we, we outsourced that. Um, but for a season we did it and, and it worked well, but I think we just work better having those separate lines and not, not blurring it and, and really keeping our date night truly our date night. And so now it's just a lot easier to do, but you know, my goal is to really support my wife in, what she needs around the house and and what she needs to feel like we are one strong family unit that you know she's a, a quality time person for um you know the five love languages that's her number one and and so i want to be able to support her for one-on-one -on -one time for family time for you know everything so that i can show up the best way for her and, and i've created a schedule and boundaries that support the family mm. So I, I remember early on as an entrepreneur, um, I would say, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a family man. But the reality is, if you looked at my schedule, I wasn't a family man. So I, I would squeeze family in. Mm. But I really believed I was a family man. Okay, like I, I thought I was, you know, really picking family first. And I had a friend that said, hey, your calendar is the um, greatest reflection of uh, the prior, your calendar is the greatest reflection of what your priorities actually are. Oof. And so I went through it and I was like, whoa, because at that time it was like, let me plan work, let me plan, you know, workout, let me plan, you know, all the stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, and here's the family. <laughs> and so I had to, I had to redo it. I had to say, wait a minute, scrap this. Let's plug in the family. Where are the family things? Okay. Uh, personal health is, is important to me. And then let's schedule work around that. And so that was a game changer. And, you know, I'm part of a group called Front Row Dads, which is, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves on being family men first and businessmen second. I and love that. that yeah, that, that's just a mantra that resonates really well. And so now my calendar does reflect that because I don't work past you know, 515, we, you know, we do dinners, we do family time together. I don't work on the weekends, you know, when, when my daughter has something, um, I take off. And, and so it's knowing that's actually, it's really funny because I'm literally about to input here. Here's my uh, oh, yes. daughter's schedule next year. So I'm literally about to input my daughter's schedule, uh, into my schedule. So that way I can plan everything, all my work stuff around that. I love that. Yeah. One of the things me and Brandon do is we literally have an email for our kids. So it's like Romy, like, you know, Romy at gmail.com or whatever. And so their events, like the things that they have, like are literally on both of our calendars. So like all of their events go in and it shows up on both of our things. Like Romy's going to have soccer practice or the Valentine's Day party at school. And it's important because I feel like we prioritize all the things of the business and sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, I'll make it if I can. It's like, well, you don't miss meetings that are on your calendar, right? And it's like to right. input your children and your family um, as as just as prioritized, even more prioritized than your business. Like it really shifts something in how your life operates and the lifestyle that you have. Instead of being like, 
the business is the number one priority. It's like, oh no, now I don't miss these things. Just like yesterday, um, you know, me and Brandon had our, our eight year anniversary. It would have been very easy to be like, let's do it on the weekend, right? Like, oh, this and this is what we used to do. And now, like, as we, you know, get more uh, mature in our relationship and in our life and what actually matters, we're like, Brandon said, and for him, like, I am very quality time because I know that's the, the, the hardest resource to get from him. I can buy whatever I want. I can do all the other things. I can buy myself stuff. Like, I used to be a gifter, and now it's quality time. And that, it's because it's the hardest resource for me to get from him as an entrepreneur. It's the hardest to get his time. And so for him to say, like, no, we're going to take off on Tuesday completely and only spend the time you and I, we're not going to work, we're not going to do anything and make that priority, like, that meant more to me than anything that we did actually on our anniversary. Like, we literally could have just taken the day off and sat here and watched movies, but for it to be that high of a priority, like, I think people as entrepreneurs, we miss that. Like, the meetings and the the company get-togethers and the to-do list, it becomes more important than our relationships. So it's like, you're spending your life with this person but your business is more important, right? Like, you know, you right. won't have that business for life, you know? That's right. I, those are powerful words. And, uh, you know, that if you want your marriage to last, then it does need to take the priority and things should be planned around it. And there will be sacrifices that need to be mm -hmm. made. And by the way, those sacrifices, it, th this might be a real scenario. Yeah. Your business might do less because of it, mm -hmm. right? Now, if you're a good planner and you're a good strategizer and if you're good with systems and if you're good with hiring, you can figure out how it does better without you. But early on, it might do worse because of those decisions. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Life is better overall. And what is that extra amount of business that you lose compared to what's that relational capital yeah. that you lose? So true. It's like, okay, if we didn't take Tuesday off, maybe we could make more money or whatever. But like, what for? Like- the goals that we've set together as a couple that we want in life, but we kill our marriage and like our relationship to chase after the dollar amount that then like, so we can do the vacation and then be like at, you know, butt in heads together the whole time. Cause it's like, what, what do we want? What do we need more money for? If like our relationship suffers because of it, like, yeah. Or, or your health suffers. Yeah. Like I can't tell you how many like really rich out of shape people I know, <laughs> like really out of shape. Uh, if you don't have your health, like, what do you have? Yeah. Like, if you don't have health and relationships, like, what do you have? Yeah. Um, health as well. And, and I would even throw in there like faith, like your, yeah. your faith, relationships, health. Like, I mean, that's, that's why you work hard to have capital so that you could support those things. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we tend to do them in the opposite direction. You know what I mean? We tend to like do, okay, we'll, we'll get the wealth first and we'll make money first and then it'll change all of these other things then i'll have the money to do these things but then like we never get there like the goal post just keeps moving <laughs> down the line like as soon as you get to that goal it's just the next business goal right um and i think it's it's interesting to me and brandon like you know how every business you'll sit and you'll do like annual planning right for like in your business here's what we're going to do mm -hmm. this year here's what's going to happen but when brandon and i do this annually we also add in faith our relate our marriage, our children, our health. Like we set the goals for everything in life, not just the business. So we spend like an entire day doing it together and goal setting together around that because if it's not a focus, like it's not a focus. It won't be. You know, so there, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh so with I have a question with with Jennifer being quality time like me, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, like whether you're 
the woman running the business or a man or you're doing it together and one of you is quality time, right? It's almost like the nightmare thing for entrepreneurs to hear. Like my spouse or my partner, right? Like that my fiance, like their like their love language is quality time, right? And it's a hard thing to navigate because you feel like I have to do all this, but she's quality time or he's quality time. Like how did you and Jennifer navigate through that of like the one resource that's most important to you as an entrepreneur should be your time. It is your time. We protect our time at all costs. So like, how did you navigate through that? Like in your marriage and in your business, you know, when, when it could be scary for entrepreneurs to hear that from, from their spouse. Yeah. I mean, I think at first I didn't navigate it well. I mean, that's, that's probably the honest answer is um, I probably fell way short, not recognizing that need or that priority. Mm -hmm. And so what would happen with my wife is it, it would like fester until she would blow up. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and yeah, um, I know that she, very she, well. Yeah. yeah. So I think it, you know, I was a slow learner and eventually thank goodness I learned. Uh, so I, I think, you know, for me, it was more trial and error. Like our relationship has been really good for the most part, um, really since the beginning. But there are seasons where it ebbs and flows and it's really, the you know, where we zig and we zag and when we're not um, in sync is almost always correlated to the quality time that I'm giving. And um, and then, you know, of course, even for her, it would be like, is she showing up in a way that supports my number one love language, which is. Like for me, my number one is um, words of affirmation and pretty close second is um, acts of service. And so because she knows that she is more intentional about showing up that way, same for me, because I know that about her, uh, it's easier for me to show up that way with her. But really, it was just trial and error and getting into a groove and figuring out like, where do we just flow so well where it's effortless? I mean, we're still putting effort in, but it yeah. feels effortless. And, and at a certain degree, it's like you can... You can optimize and, and standardize and build a protocol on how to do it just like you would in a business where it's like, all right, let's gamify this. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a date night once a week. Like we actually switch date nights and we do date days because we want to do daytime activities I together. So we'll do workout classes. We'll go walking. We'll go out to eat for lunch or breakfast or whatever. And, and, and so like that for us was good. And then we've got a cadence like at one overnight, um, uh, a quarterly overnight and then an annual um, you know, trip, just the two of us, you know, we do plenty of travel, but it, you know, our time together, just the two of us is pretty sacred that we're at least doing one of those, if not a couple of those every year. And so th there are habits, there are rituals that you can kind of look at as a system. Like here's my operating system for a very successful health, healthy marriage. And then a lot of it during the week comes down to the fact that we spend a good amount of time together. We get good quality time, you know, probably four to five nights a week. So, good. um, so, so how that, did you, important. how did you figure it out? Like, look for everyone listening, who's like, this is my spouse. And I like, this is a problem in our relationship. And I like need to fix it right now. Cause Justin just like told me I need to, and it'll change my life. But like, how did you get to the point? Like, what did you do to figure out what, like extract from Jennifer, like what quality time meant to her and like what things are important? Cause like, it's easy for you to guess and be like, we just need to sit on the couch together and watch a movie. Or like, is there specific things? Like what process did you go through of like figuring that out where you have it so dialed in now? Well, part of it's reading books and understanding like how to get the EQ, how to how to have the right conversations. And then part of it's putting in the time to make sure that you're really getting to know what your spouse needs mm -hmm. or what your significant other needs. And 
uh, for me, I just, uh, I like to solve problems. Yeah. And, and so I've learned in relationship, like I want to solve the problem of us having a good relationship, but I got to be really careful not to solve the problems that she's bringing to me because she's not bringing them to me as problems. She's bringing them to me as something that she wants me to hear and feel with her so that she feels understood. And so it's like, you know, kind of creating this system where um, I'm, I'm very present. I'm, I'm hearing her. And by the way, for my wife, I cannot have a phone present, right? Like that, yeah. that's like, it erases any good quality time we could ever have. Yeah. Um, it's like, as soon for, as you pick up the phone, we're back to zero, yeah, zero on exactly. the clock of quality time. Like all of a sudden like we've been interrupted. In no time. Yeah. Uh-huh. hundred percent. Like I just put in an hour of good quality time. It went to zero the moment I checked a text message so while we were sitting there. And that to me was like, I did not get that. And, and by the way, we had some, you know, some discussions around that because I didn't get that at the beginning. Like to me, that didn't make sense. I logged an hour and then she's like, you logged an hour, right? So then it's like, wait a minute, you're tracking, you're putting in your time. So it's like just these iterations of, of good quality conversation where you can learn. So I think because I failed enough to recognize that, that it didn't work, it allowed me to ask like, well, what does it look like? What does quality time look like to you? What does like an incredible relationship look like to you? And you know, we do an annual planning uh, meeting every year where we spend a whole day and we ask each other these questions. We plan some stuff out. We have this pretty in-depth outline that we use and um, we gain clarity on like, what is ideal for us? What is the ideal relationship? What's ideal time spent? What What is, you know, retirement look like in whatever, you know, time frame that we want to do that? And what does travel look like? And who do we want to spend time with? And um, who's the peer group that we want to influence, uh, our daughter with and, mm. you know, so on and so forth. So it's, it's spending time. Um, and then it's asking the tough questions. I love that. It's so good. So everyone, everyone listening right now, maybe, maybe just putting your phone away in conversation with your spouse is going to fix it. Cause it's like, even you guys have been married for a long time too. It's like phones weren't as attached to us as they used to be. And so it's like a new thing that was kind of introduced to the relationship is being able to check text messages and like Slack and your boxer and like all of your stuff on your phone all the time. Everything's coming at you. It used to be you walked away from the office, walk away from your computer and you're kind of out of the space of work, but work follows us around on our phones. Right. So me and Brandon have this practice now where after dinner at dinner or whatever, we'll put our phones away and like keep them away and have dinner without our phones and talk and play with our kids and have time with them after and put them to bed. And like, we don't have our phones. Right. And so I think that's a, that's a big thing. That's a little thing. You might feel like, Oh, it's not a big deal. But like, to me as a quality time person, it is like, as soon as he puts the phone away, I'm like, yes, like he's being intentional that I'm the focus right now. So I love that. That's great. It's great advice. Well, it's, it's tough when you're the achiever, right? Yeah. Because your goal is to have an inbox zero. Your goal is to like, Ooh, let me get this thing done. So that way when I start the day, it's, a, you know, so it's, totally. it's really a funny thing that like you, you really have to sometimes not understand like the why it's important. You just have to understand this is important to your spouse yeah. or your significant other. Yeah. So like if you're, if your your spouse is asking like, are you listening to me? Like, are you done on your phone? Like those are all leading questions to put your phone away. Dang it. You know? <laughs> so Justin, tell me, um, tell me, Back to to business now. All that was so good about relationships, like 
so good. I'm gonna have Brandon listen to this. Be like, see, quality time. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Just, Brandon. Justin's gonna solve all your problems right now. Uh, I'll be less crazy, I swear. Um, so tell me about like the biggest mistakes that you've made. Maybe like you've had this journey of I'm sure you had beliefs about investing before, and you know, like the beliefs people have around investing, but what are some of the biggest mistakes you see on like people's belief? beliefs around um, investing and maybe like some misconceptions that you see as mistakes? Yeah. I mean, I think most people, um, they adopt other people's beliefs as their own without doing the homework to see if that really should be a belief. And I I mean that, um, you know, with the utmost respect, but like for me, my parents influenced me more than I realized Mm -hmm. my parents view of money. Yeah. Money doesn't um, grow on trees. Yeah. Like those beliefs, those sayings, those mantras, like those matter. So I had to reestablish what that looked like. I had to figure out like, well, what do I believe? You know, do I do I believe that? Well, actually, I kind of don't. I actually think that you can plant money trees where you buy assets that produce income. So like, I actually don't know that I support that. And, and I actually think money is a lot more abundant than what a lot of the people I was around as a child and, and, you know, as as a youth were, you know, living and believing at that time. So like I had to do some internal work. And so, yeah, I think mindset matters. I think it matters a lot. I think who you surround yourself with matters. I think the, if you are surrounding yourself with people that play the game of business and life, and wealth building and investing at a higher level than you, then you're going to up your game. You're going to do it and you're, you're going to do it by default. Uh, when you're around people that think bigger, you're naturally going to think bigger. You might not see it happen, but it's going to become normal to push the limits. And you're, you're like what, who you were before changes your ability and capacities grow as you spend time with people that are doing these things, your belief grows. And so, yeah, I think those matter. I think, you know, diving deep to see if what you believe is from you or from someone else. And is it really true? Let's stress test this. And is this just something we picked up from a book or from our next door neighbor or from a grandparent or a parent? Um, You know, have you tested it? Because I think that matters. And then I think it's also really important who you get into business with. Because that, you know, it's, we talked about relationships and we talked about, you know, for those that are married, that relationship, but a business partnership is a form of marriage. Yeah. You're basically in bed together. We say it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And, and if you don't recognize the fact that most business partnerships break up at some point in time, then you're fooling yourself. And I, I think that it's really important to go into those relationships, recognizing that um, we we should think about what happens as things don't work out to set it up so that it's smooth if that were to happen. And hopefully it never happens. Hopefully you have a, a long business life with your partners. But, you know, that has been a great lesson for me is like, okay, well, if things break up, what does it look like? And what's the process? And how does everyone feel good through the process so that we're not making these decisions when we're highly emotional and let's put it in the playbook right now. Let's put it in the operating agreement so that we've already thought through it. And, and, you know, time doesn't change that. Right. Mm -hmm. So all that I think is important. And, and I think that we've got to also get away from this illusion that, um, 
Wall Street is the great fix all that mm. if you just let someone manage your money, you're going to be fine. Uh, outsourcing your financial ability, your financial education is one of the quickest ways to lose money. That is not something that should be outsourced unless there's a foundation where you've been able to, to, to grow and learn what you need to learn to properly vet whoever you would outsource to. So that, that's another thing where you've got institutions that have so much money, they have so much uh, press, so much influence. Um, they are commanding what most people do. Most people put the majority of their money in the stock market, right? Except in the stock market, they talk about, you know, your financial planners telling you to have a really balanced portfolio <laughs> and a 60-40 stock to bond split is the safest way to do it. Except last year, that was one of the worst performances in the last century. So what was the safest was one of the worst and riskiest because times have changed. And this whole idea of like financial planning and retirement, like this didn't even exist just a handful of decades ago. So it's brand new. And we don't know what does and doesn't work yet, except we're starting to learn. Mm -hmm. So anyone that puts all their eggs into one basket of any basket is probably going to have some growing pains. Um, I do think it is smart to surround yourself with world-class experts and best in class and whatever the thing is that has the track record and, uh, you know, always be willing to learn and grow and, and ask questions. I love that. Well, I want to, you know, I'm I'm in the generation of we learn things through Instagram reels and TikTok and like all this stuff. And every time you open one of these apps, right, there's there's someone on there now that is teaching a different investment play or how to make money or um, a certain portfolio that they have and what they're doing. Right. And so I'd love to hear your take on how do you discern like what's real and not or not? Like if you were going to open it and look at the things in my feed, right? And how like my generation, the generation below me, like how we actually like are taking in knowledge right now. This is how we're like learning and we'll hear something then we'll go watch the YouTube video or listen to the podcast or whatever it is. But how do we discern like what's real out there and what's not? Probably have a framework that's built that it's it's not real unless you can prove that it's real. Like, mm -hmm. I just wouldn't take everything as fact. There's a lot of people that um, use these platforms to manipulate. You said the word influence, like the banks has the influence. And that's what triggered this yeah. for me is like, think about all the people now, all these talking heads with influence and big following. But I know a lot out there that they're not the real deal. So how do we know? That's right. Well, I think track records going to be a great indicator. I think um, having raving fans is going to be a great indicator, but over a long period of time, not over a short period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, everyone's a coach. Everyone's an influencer. Right. Everyone's a thought leader. Like everyone's everything now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just think you got to be careful who you're trusting and taking advice from. I only want to take advice from someone who is best in class and has proven to be best in class over a long period of time. Um, wh whoever I am paying to coach me in something better have done that thing at the highest level for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Like not, the, not the last me. two years, Justin. Not the last two years. No. Not the last six no. months. Not at all. But a lot of people fall into that trap and they don't know how to discern. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's like a lot of them that I see, you'll like open the comment section and it's just like 
thumbs ups and smiley faces and this is great and awesome and whatever. I'm like, guys, this thing has a thousand comments on it, but it's all bots. Like you have to learn how to like read the room and like actually look into it. Don't just hear something and believe it's true and trust someone. Right. Because there's there's a lot a lot of people out there right now that are sharking a lot of people. I see it like every day. It's insane. Yeah, a lot of ways to gamify and, and optimize, um, you know, anything technology. So social media being one of those, like, yeah, I, I mean, time is going to be the difference maker. And, um, you know, experience only comes like you gain expertise and you can become an expert over 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. So that's equivalent of 10 years. If someone doesn't have 10 years in something, they're not an expert, most likely. I love it. That's so good. Oh, man. Just like everybody needs to hear that <laughs> right now. Oh, my gosh. Everybody needs to hear that. So, Justin, uh, what's some of like before we before we end here, what are some of the, the other big mistakes that you think like everyone listening, entrepreneurs, like what are some of the ones that you would leave them with of other mistakes that you've made that you're just like, you need to know this. You can't keep operating your business or investing like without knowing this. Well, I used to hire people based on like their word, you know, <laughs> that, that thinking that they showed up in interviews exactly the way they were going to show up and work and whatever they said in their interviews was accurate. So I've learned that there's due diligence that needs to go into, you know, employee hires mm-hmm. and, and, you know, vendor contractor hires and, you know, making sure that you're really getting what you think. I, I've learned the hard way on, on not, um, putting the right people in the right seats. So something as simple as like using personality profiles and behavioral assessments to help in the hiring process. Like early on, I did not do that, which means that I did a lot of trial and error to find the people that were actually good, or I had the right people for the business in the wrong seat in the business, and it was not good. And so figuring out like what role needs what type of person like you could tell me all day long you're great at whatever the thing is Caitlin but (laughs) if your personality is geared towards a certain thing like you know you and Brandon are totally different right so you're you're like a culture shaper so for you like to be around people to lead people to to run sales teams like your your profile is going to tell me that sort of stuff but I couldn't plug Brandon in that role Uh, he could do it but it wouldn't be as like, it would take more energy. There would be a lot of learning and training that was needed. Whereas if I threw you into analyzing the spreadsheet disaster, right? Exactly. But you do that with Brandon and he's like a kid in a candy store, right? Mm -hmm. He he loves it. He geeks out on it. And so um, just realizing like people are wired a certain way. And if you can figure out what those are and plug them into a role where they're going to thrive like you that that is half the battle right there is finding the right people and the right role and you can do that through these assessments oh i love that i love that well yeah when it comes to hiring there's you could go on for days of the mistakes made in recruiting and hiring yeah we use personality profiles too it's costly yeah it's costly in time too yeah it's insane you know when we started when we started using personality like profiling to hire like it changed the game in our team it's like, oh, this person is an I. They're great for the sales team. But like in operations, like they're going to chit chat all day. Like I'm an I. Like you don't want me in the spreadsheets. I'm not a C. I have like a two C on the disc. Like you do not want me organizing anything, but I'm like a visionary, right? And that's my role in my job. And it fits my personality. But as soon as you start trying to get me to like make a process for something, I'm like, Psh, 
I ain't even doing this. Like, and everybody's gonna have to redo it anyway, because that's not the way my brain works, you know. And when you have the right people, right seat that fits their personality, like you should be looking at that when you're hiring and recruiting. Like, if your assistant is an I and not like a C S personality or an S C personality or a D C personality, you know, it's like that's what we hire now, you know, because you don't want the I that's like, you know, talking to you all day long and like wanting to be on the phone and chatty. It's like no, like that's not gonna work. Like, I'm an ID and Brandon's a DC personality. We're going to be like, oh, my gosh, like, you talk too much for me. Um, <laughs> you know, like, we had one like that one time. It did not work out well. I'm like, yep, she's got to go. All, all she does is want to talk to me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So um, last but not least, before we get off here, I always have all of our guests and I've shared a bunch of a bunch of mine, but we always end with an embarrassing moment. So, Justin, Donald, what is like an embarrassing moment that you've had? This could be personal. This could be like I peed my pants standing in the ice cream line when I was in second grade. Mine was peeing in a cup on an airplane. Uh, <laughs> what's an embarrassing moment that you've had? We're going we're gonna to humble, humble ourselves a little bit. Well, it's, it's funny because I, I feel like most of my life I uh, have not been very embarrassable. Mm. Um, I, I often don't really like I will poke fun. I'll be the first person to poke fun at myself. You know, I guess early on when I when I was still building my self-confidence, I used to be in this uh, traveling choir and I got selected. It was a musical and I got selected for this role. And um I was always a really strong actor mm. and I love you to are? sing. Man, you're a yeah, good actor. I, I I love just the arts. I love it. I, I mean, I didn't I see that coming. Yeah. I didn't see so you being youth, an actor did, coming at all. I didn't see it. I did a lot of that. <laughs> now singing, I was always a little more self-conscious because I was, I, I did never feel like I was um, as strong at that. And so I would be fine on, on some solos, but anytime I had to do a duet, I just, um, often couldn't carry the tune. I, I would just, I would rotate down, uh, or I would, I would just not be able to carry my part of the harmony. And so there was this one tour and every single time there was this one harmony and I don't think I ever hit it the entire time I did this tour and we went all over, um, at one point in time I was losing my voice and I was like, I tried to talk the director into doing the role for me for that day. I was, I was embarrassed and I was, I just felt like I didn't have what it took to do it. So I don't know that I ever actually hit those notes in a full tour. <laughs> well, you should try singing it again. Maybe you can do it now. You and Jennifer. I, I might be able to. I might be able to. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Singing. Not, not for me, man. I could do like some screamo with this raspy voice, but not singing. I like pretend sing screamo all the time. And now my daughters do it. They love it. We're like, Jesus, like worship songs and screamo. It's amazing. <laughs> that's hysterical. Uh, Justin, well, thank you for sharing all of your big business mistakes with us today. Like such great gold nuggets, like freaking awesome. I mean, people, if they, if they take the things that you said and actually implement them today, like literally will collapse time in their business. So I appreciate you uh, coming on here and sharing it. I know, I know it's not easy sometimes to humble and be like, here's everything I messed up on, but I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> I, I love, 
sharing. I, I mean, I do think the biggest place to learn and grow is is from the mistakes and, you know, being able to recognize them, being comfortable enough to speak about them, I think is so powerful. So thanks for asking some great questions. Yeah, this is a much different podcast than I'm used to doing. So this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. I got Justin's stamp of approval. Um, awesome. So everybody that's listening, thanks so much for being here. I want you to leave a five star review and write out like what was your biggest takeaway from this podcast with Justin like what's the thing that he said or the realization that you had that like shifted something in your mind for you so um helps us out a lot leave that review five star give me your best takeaway your best gold nugget that Justin laid down and again appreciate you for being here and we'll see you guys next time bye